Hello, welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley and we're here to talk all things leadership. Welcome to episode 40 of the Humanity Leadership Podcast. And this week's guest is Wanda Townsend, who is an industrial organizational psychology and neuro leadership practitioner uh, after a career in law enforcement. And she's starting her own coaching and leadership development business this summer. But she also has just written a, a chapter for a, a new book called The New Next, International Leadership for Women, edited by Linda Ellis Eastman. And that's what I wanted to talk to her about today. Uh, because things like imposter syndrome and talking while female are situations that I, I've come across in my coaching work. And she's written a chapter about these things and other things that can make women silent and then how to overcome that silence and step back in and uh, be more authentic and own what it is to be a female leader in, uh, particularly in North America. So She's got some uh, some great observations, some great points that I think you'll be find very useful. And so here she is. Here's Wanda. So welcome, Wanda. I appreciate you spending some time with us this afternoon. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here, David. So I normally get people to start with just a 30-second bio of how you got to wherever you are. Mm, okay. Yeah. So I have spent most of my adult life working in civil service positions with most of those roles being in the law enforcement profession. I began my law enforcement career in 1990, starting out as a state trooper and eventually retiring as a federal law enforcement officer. And so during that time, I held a variety of leadership positions, starting out as a police sergeant. I was a police captain, a chief of police, and then ultimately a director of police services. Cool. So I'm um... People are familiar with the law enforcement and the tracks of my background if they've listened to a few episodes of this. So, uh, But we're not talking law enforcement necessarily today. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, I've asked you on is because I just had the opportunity of reading a chapter of a book that uh, you wrote the chapter recently that uh, I think is powerful and it's a conversation that we should be having. Uh, you just written a, a chapter in a book called The New Next, which is... Um, International Leadership for Women, edited by Linda Ellis Eastman. Tell us a little bit about your chapter. Yeah, so the chapter that I wrote, it's entitled Silent No More, Finding Your Voice. And in this chapter, I share my earliest childhood trauma, which put in motion this lifetime journey of fear and perfectionism and unworthiness. And so I think what's significant about that childhood event is that it affected my ability to use my voice. So at age, I think it was six, I became silent. And it wasn't that you didn't talk. It was that right. you, you didn't talk up in certain situations and certain scenarios. Yep. I, I was fearful um, in certain situations and especially like with authority figures, because I, I talk about my first grade experience. And so, you know, I want to be able to teach other female leaders and individuals just to how to develop their capacity to speak so they can move from a place of silence to a place where they use their voice to be able to influence and transform the world, you know, around them. So early on, you were kind of trained that you shouldn't speak up in certain instances or shouldn't speak up unless you had the absolute right answer. 
and and then later on you became the chief of police so right. somewhere in there, there must have been a transition what are the what are the three barriers that you identified that uh, to women using their voice women in particular yeah so i i concentrated on three barriers you know there of course is more than that but the three is women only speaking while female and then imposter syndrome so Phil, let's take those one at a time because the okay. I, I talked with uh, Carlos Rangel a number of months ago about being the only in a minority or a, a black indigenous people of color kind of way. Help us understand how it how it fits with women as well. Yeah, so women onlys is where you might be the only female in the room, or you could be one of two females, and the rest of the the boardroom or the meeting room is all males. And so, um, you know, I, I took it from the perspective of Cheryl Sandberg. She runs an organization called Lean In. And so it's, it's where women end up walking this tightrope, essentially. You know, you're trying to balance of being that only woman in the room. And so, like, for me, some of the things that went through my mind is, okay, I need to make sure that I'm not being too assertive because I don't want to become or come across as being too aggressive or being, you know, labeled as a bitch. Um, I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't too nice because then I get labeled as being this person who's too soft or too emotional. So it seems like an extra fine line then for a woman in that environment that you're on one side, you're too emotional on the other side, you're a bitch. And if it was a man doing the same things, they wouldn't be described the same way. Exactly. Yep. So the second challenge that you, you identify was speaking well female, and you would not believe the inner comedian in me is <laughs> going to sit on my hands right now. Okay, so yeah, so this is a well-known phenomenon that was coined as speaking well female, and it's where female leaders, they just don't feel like they're heard in the workplace because they are either cut off, they're ignored, or they're interrupted by their male counterparts. And I've been guilty of that on numerous <laughs> occasions. That's why I was keeping my hands firmly tied under my <laughs> legs and telling myself, there's, I should not interrupt you, even though there was the... So now, it's not just interrupting, but sometimes just revoicing what you said. Yeah, and I've had a couple experiences. You know, I can laugh about it now, but it wasn't funny at the time. So I'm in a meeting with all males. I throw out an idea. It's, you know, it's ignored. And then 10, 15 minutes later, a, a um, you know, a peer of mine will p- propose the same thing and it's the best idea in the world. And it's like, wait a minute, I just mentioned that 10, 15 minutes ago. So it's, it's not just a matter of a man feels like they have the power or permission to overtalk you. It's that somewhere along the line, nobody was listening. Right. Yep. Uh, and it's not until the man said it that people suddenly hooked into that idea. We'll get to how you fix that in a minute, but that the third one that you shared was imposter syndrome, which is how we connected in the first place, because I was looking for some help on imposter syndrome, and you said, hey, a minute, I've just written a chapter about this. Yeah, yeah, this is so common, and it's where individuals doubt their skills, their talents, their accomplishments, and they just have this perpetual fear that they're going to be exposed as a fraud. Yeah, and don't we all get a little bit of that? From time to time? Yeah, I think so. You know, I've done a lot of research in this area. And so there's multiple research studies that say, hey, you know, or support women tend to suffer more than 
the males, but I am a person that believes it doesn't discriminate. I actually had a call this morning and the gentleman was sharing where he has suffered from imposter syndrome. So yeah, it affects everyone. And I read a statistic this week in that it's estimated, I think it was 70% of all of us will experience one episode of imposter syndrome in our lifetime. And so that's pretty high. And I'm, I'm guessing that in some of the other reading I've been doing alongside this, that the, yes, we all experience it, but I wonder if women tend to experience it a little bit more than men do because of some of the other things that have been built into that structure, yeah. so the previous two things you've talked about. Yep. So that's three issues, three challenges, being a woman only, speaking while female, and imposter syndrome. How do we help women overcome this? Yeah, so I have found three strategies that have really worked for me. And that first one is, you know, strive for authenticity over perfectionism. Um, I've tried the perfectionism route for much of my career and it does not work. Did you ever so, get there? Did you ever get to perfect? No, I still fight it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just, it, it's something you can never achieve, you know, it's just out of reach. So why do we continue to, to go along that journey? So th th those two don't seem necessarily connected. They, the authenticity versus perfectionism. Help me understand mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So, um, so when you strive for authenticity, you're basically letting go of who you think you should be and really embrace who you are. And so you stop comparing yourself to other people. You let go of what others think and you start owning your story. And that is the case for me in this book chapter. So, so go on a little bit, Malik. So you're uh, in sixth grade, you're being hit on the head with a ruler for, for speaking. Yes. And, but you found that you stopped comparing yourself at some point. Yeah. And so, you know, what I ended up having to do for myself, I I'm all about, you know, this visual of we wear masks. And so I'm always thinking, okay, take the mask of perfectionism off. Um, and I advise people that I coach to do that too. And allow your imperfections to come through because when we do that, we can really connect with individuals because they see us as being more authentic, being human, being real. And so, you know, you talked about your law enforcement experience that was there a point in your career that you found yourself maskless and real and noticed that and it noticed the difference. Yeah, actually it's when I, um, became a federal law enforcement officer. So the organization that I worked for, it was more like a almost a corporate setting. And so the culture was just very different. And it was more about, you know, um, touching and, and really relating to your customers and, and who they are. And there was just this different expectation. And so it's like, hmm, you know, hiding behind a badge, it, it that's not going to going to work for you, you know? Right. So, so don't be that officer in the uniform, let people see into who Wanda is. And it made a huge difference in my leadership, you know, journey. That's interesting, isn't it? That the, let the badge come later. Yep. Let's see, meet the person first and then the badge later. And I, I know way back in my law enforcement career, sometimes you'd meet people and later on they'd find out you're a cop and they'd say, no, you can't be a cop. <laughs> because yep. you're nice, you're all these kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and other times you'd meet people because you're in uniform who saw you for something and never broke through that to see who you really were. And that's yep. what you're talking about is 
get out that authentic you more frequently and more yep. visibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And David, I'm sure you're familiar with Brene Brown. Uh, for those who aren't, she's a, a researcher in the area of vulnerability and shame. And, and she always says, own your story because when we do own our stories, we can gain access to our worthiness of, you know, the feeling that we are enough. And I, I think all of us struggle with that. You know, I'm not enough. I'm, I'm this or that. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from way back in my college time was uh, the greatest journey of them all is the journey inwards. Mm. And if we take that journey inwards, then we find that authentic because we own the story. We own who we are, yep. flaws and all. And that yep. can uh, create a more authentic self yep. when you're interacting with others. Definitely. So authenticity is one thing. You said there was mm -hmm. a couple of other strategies that we can use to, uh, to address these challenges. Yeah. Um, the next one I would say is learn to leverage your fear by tapping into your emotions. So what you'd want to do is in a moment to think about, okay, what am I thinking right now? What emotions am I feeling? And once you've been able to identify those two things, it's then asking the question of, are these thoughts and emotions rational? because our brains tend to send false messaging to us. It's that inner critic, you know, just chatting mm -hmm. away, telling us, oh, you are a fraud. Who do you think you are? And so it's recognizing that and shutting that down. So, Which is interesting because there's some part of our heads that comes from the fight and flight, mm. uh, that that worst case scenario thinking was yeah. what allowed us to evolve, to survive who we are. And, Absolutely. Um, but what you're recognizing now is, let me understand that because we're not usually in the fight and flight situation. Let me mm -hmm. track that and say, am I making this up? Is there anything that is genuinely going to suggest that I'm, yeah. I'm in terror or in trouble and, yeah. and not create the worst case scenario in our heads? Yeah. And if you look at the work of David Rock, he is the CEO of the Neural Leadership Institute. He talks about, you know, the workplace actually has all kinds of social threats for the brain. And as leaders, we need to be aware of what those threats are. So for example, status is a big one, you know, our status within our organization, mm -hmm. our culture, um, relatedness is an, another one, uncertainty. So as a leader, you know, um, give as much information as you can to your employees so their brains don't go haywire, you know, and, and hijack them. Which again is that uh, sense of if, if I leave a gap in communication, people will fill it with the conspiracy theory, the yep. worst case scenario. So yeah. let me give people the information so that they don't have the need or the room to fill it with anything else. Absolutely. So that's the second one. You said there was a third one. Yep. So that would be choose courage over comfort by learning how to become more vulnerable. So most of us, I would say, we wanna stay in our comfort zone in our safe spot. And we tend to avoid like people and places and events that are gonna push us, stretch us, force us to grow. And so I always say, you need to get comfortable with your uncomfortableness. Yeah. So you, you don't grow without some level of tension and that tension being out of your comfort zone, doing exactly. something different. Yeah. Yep. So, now, there's some uh, some great thinking for people to to adopt. If there was one simple thing that you could say, if, if if a woman was listening to this and saying, "Yeah, all of those fit me," but give me just one small step I can take to start off with, what would you advise? 
Yeah, and I think this is relatively easy is just show up as your best self. Um, you know, and each day that might look different because we're under different pressures, you know, and I think we've all learned that through COVID, but it's just do your best for that day. Um, and if you've done that, that is good enough and, and recognize it and have grace and, you know, applaud yourself for, for showing up. Which is, is turning the competition from external to internal, isn't it? I just yeah. want to be better today than I was yesterday. Yeah. and not better than Bob or Sue mm -hmm. or whoever's around me. I just want to bring my best me to the table. Yeah, because I think we tend to live in the past and the future of, you know, what did I do and what do I need to do? And just being present, being in the moment and, and showing up for people. And be you, be authentic. Mm -hmm. well, thanks. Yeah. So this is, this is a chapter in the forthcoming book, the, the New Next. When could we see that on the shelves? So that is going to be released later this month. So by the end of March, it will be out. And that's a series of chapters edited by Linda Eastman uh, yes. on a whole range of issues around leadership for women. Yep. Yeah. Her publishing company is called uh, Professional Network of Women. So. Okay. And she has another one on the cards that you're also going to be included in. Help us with that one. Yeah. So she was... Um, so excited. Uh, she gave me a call and she's like, you're this first chapter that you submitted is amazing. Your story is amazing. So would you be willing to write a chapter for a book that she's going to be releasing this summer called The Future Female Leader, Preparing Girls and Women to Lead the World? So I'm going to be writing a chapter on um, personal, someone's journey of personal transformation. And so I get to share a little bit more of my story. That's, that's wonderful. And when you see the young women that are starting to take like global leadership roles in issues like Malala and Greta, and uh, yeah. it's, it's just uh, wonderful to see that the space there uh, significantly more than there was 30, 40, 50 years ago. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, when I started my, you know, profession in 1990, they're just, we didn't have these conversations that you're bringing to the table today, David. So it's wonderful. Well, my hope is not just uh, for the women, but the us men have to pay attention, especially to that middle one that you came up with, because it's very easy for me to step into a conversation. My wife would tell you, it's very easy for me to help explain something <laughs> when there's no need for me to help explaining it. And that's exactly right. what you're talking about, isn't it? By talking while, while female. Yep. Just listen. Um, just listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we all need that reminder all the time. <laughs> well, Thanks, Wanda. I appreciate the time you spent with us. And I get the impression that you, you may be joining us again in the future to talk more about this. But uh, thank you for I your time. I would love to. Thank you. So that was Wanda Townsend. And uh, as I said, she's a fascinating individual with um, some great insight. And I really look forward to that second chapter. And uh, she was kind enough to send me the, the chapter that's just coming out. And it should be out uh, about the same time as this podcast comes out. So that book, again, is The New Next, International Leadership for Women, edited by Linda Ellis Eastman. And the next one in the fall is The Future Female Leader, Preparing Girls and Women to Lead the World, again, edited by Linda Ellis Eastman. So uh, take a look at both those two, and we'll try and get Wanda back on again when that next book is about to come out, and we'll talk about that next chapter. So in the interim, don't hesitate to let me have some feedback to let me know which of these conversations are most valuable. What I'm really trying to do is to take good leadership concepts and make them as practical and as punchy as possible. So uh, I look forward to hearing from anybody. 
Uh, in the meantime, stay healthy. You've been listening to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. I'm David Wheatley. And we're brought to you by the book, What Great Teams Do Great, available now at all good bookstores. Thanks to Brian Spencer and Finkel for the music. Please share any feedback and suggestions. I'm available through humanity.com. And uh, go to iTunes, like, subscribe, and leave us a review so that other people can find us. In the meantime, until next time we meet, stay healthy.